This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn. Oh, he's hot. With an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters, May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Probiotics can be an important part of your daily routine, and they certainly are a part of mine, but sometimes they are a hassle to take. Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply, valid through July 31st. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, Catherine. Oh, hi, Chelsea. Guys, guess what? It's our season finale. It's our season finale. What season are we in? Uh, technically three, but it was sort of like a, a twice as big season as the last, last season. Yeah. yeah, we just decide when the seasons are going to be over. Yeah, podcasting is a wild west. You can kind of do whatever it's, you want. It's, with climate change, it's everything is so unpredictable. So we're applying that line of thinking to podcasting. Exactly. Yes, this is our last uh, episode of this season. And then we will be back shortly for season four. Four, oh, yeah. Okay, wow. What yeah. a success, you guys. <laughs> it's a success. Yes. Four seasons. That's yes. Chelsea, what do you love about this show? There's a lot I love, but... Oh, okay. Well, why don't you start? I'll start. You know, it's really become this cool show where, like, people's lives are being changed. Like, people are making better choices. We're breaking people up. Like, it's so wonderful to see people respond with, like, you helped me to, you know, move my life into a better direction or, you know, get that job or, you know, say no to that mother-in-law or whatever it is. People are really being filled with joy and also connecting because of the show. It's so exciting. Yes. And it's very nice. What Catherine does goes the extra mile above and beyond for a lot of our callers. You know, when they, when somebody reaches out and is interested in hearing more about a certain issue or recognition recommendations like you really do go the extra mile to make sure people feel like okay we're all in this together and we're helping people which is so nice yeah I feel the same way I'm just so happy that people are so impact I can't tell you how many people come up to me talking about
talking about my podcast um, and saying, or our podcast, I should say, saying just how their lives have changed and that they listen every week. And it's also a really great reminder about humanity and that everybody just really wants, needs a, a little push at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Yeah. And that's essentially what this is, is a shove in the right direction. It's like a pep talk. You're getting a pep talk when you're on the fence about something or getting advice about how to handle, you know, a difficult situation in your life. And I think the more adept we become at handling difficulty, the better we are at helping others handle difficulty. Yeah. And so many of these are universal truths. Like, you know, you can hear something that might not be exactly your situation, but you're able to take a life lesson from that and bring it into your relationship or bring it into your life in a way that's really beneficial. And I just think that's really wonderful. Yeah. And I like helping people. It makes me feel like I have a purpose. Even though I feel like I do have a purpose, it's nice that this is part of my purpose. Yes. My dad always says that we're blessed to be a blessing. And when you have this sort of like overflowing wealth of knowledge or wisdom or whatever, it's really nice that you can share it. I yeah, I read, oh, I, I remember we were talking about a quote a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, something about being a teacher. Like when you need the lesson, the teacher will show, when the student needs the lesson, the teacher will appear. Yes. And when the student has learned the lesson, the teacher will disappear. Mm-hmm. It was something along the line, yeah. that line. I don't know if it was Rumi or if it was someone else. But anyway, that's a very good way to look at people coming in and out of your life. You know, sometimes it takes you a couple times to learn a lesson, and sometimes you can learn it the first time. And so my goal moving on in life is to learn things the first time, the new lessons, not to have to do things on repeat. Yeah. Because then you offer yourself up to a new experience the next time, and you don't have to repeat that. Absolutely. I used to go to this Reiki lady in Oswego, Illinois, and she had said, you know, when you get those taps on the shoulder of a lesson that you're supposed to be learning that is you know your guardian angels trying to help you learn the lesson and if you don't get it they're going to tap you a little harder and they're going to tap you a little harder and then eventually it's going to be the two by four that you know sort of hits you upside the head exactly and it's just it's sort of how life works so i love that learning the lesson the first time right well when we're young and stupid it's it's hard to know that you're even learning a lesson (laughs) you just feel the two by four You're just like, why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? And it's like, no, it's not happening to you. You're happening to it. You know, like you're not changing the way you're thinking about something. So, yes, these are all good things to keep in mind. And uh, I want to thank everybody for being such loyal listeners and for your calls and all of it. We just love it. And I'm down. This audience is particularly awesome. Yeah, they are. They are. But that's, you know what? I have to credit myself with that because my audience has been fucking awesome my whole career. Just badass fucking women, gay men. And, and the straight men that are on board are really on board, and they're the cool kind of straight men. Yes. So I'm down with them, too. And, of course, black men. <laughs> I'm always down with black men. <laughs> I don't know how many black straight guys are listening, but if you are, hit me up. <laughs> so what's going on, Catherine? Uh, I actually just spent yesterday at Disneyland, so I am Oh, oh Catherine. You know what? <laughs> Go fuck off. I, I am Honestly, hurting. I am so sick of your shit. First the eggs and now Disneyland. I know. And I even wore my new little Mickey shirt. That's that actually Brag a cute on. shirt. That's cute. To wear at home. <laughs> Instead, I'm wearing it in Who'd a professional you, did environment. You, Brad, did you go with her? Are you an accomplice? I did. I am. Uh, yeah, we took our nieces. That's not an excuse, you guys. That's, you can try. <laughs> you can use them as scapegoats, but obviously you both wanted to be there. Oh, how of is course. your niece? How's it going? Oh, so good. Are it's you having so nice good. conversations with her? Yeah, we're having a really nice time. There are two nieces here. One is 14 and one is 16. And 
all you have to do is be like, so what's going on with your friends? And then they go off for an hour on their friend drama. And oh, it's yeah. great. Right, right. It's I, I, I kind of like hearing about that drama. Yes. And one of my nieces, she's had a new little girlfriend and she's talking all about her relationship and she's so happy and in love. And it's just, it's really sweet. That's it's cute. wonderful. I mean, honestly, I'm just glad they're past the phase where they only eat macaroni and cheese because Buttered they'd bread. be missing out on some yes. delicious street tacos. Yeah. That's they, cute. They're loving street tacos here in LA. Well, I'm like, what's not to love about street tacos? Oh my God, it's the best. I'm so excited. So no, we're having a wonderful time with well, them. Well, my lesbian sister and I, she's uh, going to be a lesbian when I get done with her, uh, <laughs> just planned our honeymoon portion of our vacation. <laughs> I was like, we're all on this email with our safari guide planning like our African trip because we're taking all our nieces and my ski buddy, Kelly, a different ski buddy than Lindsay. We're taking my ski buddy, Kelly, and her two twins. I forget their names right now, even though they're my daughters. No, (laughs) One is called Jesse and the other one is called Katie. Anyway, we're all going. Charlie, Seneca, and Jordan, my three nieces, and my sister Simone and Kelly and her two girls. And so we're going for two weeks. We're going to Kenya and Tanzania. And then Simone and I are going on a lover's week. It's just the two. She goes, I have a week off after that. Do you want to do something? And I was like, you bet I do. So we're going to go to Cape Town and we're going to go to Zanzibar. Wow. For a couple of nights. That yeah. sounds very fun and exotic. I know. That's and great. she keeps like, he was like, okay, here's a villa. I'm like, we don't need a villa for the two of us. She's like, yes, we do. <laughs> Stay away from me. I I'm beg like, to differ. <laughs> be in my wing. Uh, uh, incredible. That's yeah. so. So I'm excited. Fun. I'm gonna have a big summer of travel. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bank a lot of episodes. Yes, Catherine. we will do that. Okay, so our next guest is an Academy Award-winning actor and a number one New York Times best-selling author of Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. Are we in line and on time? Yeah, Hello. we are. Hi, Matthew. Hello. How are you, Chelsea? I'm great. How are you doing? This is my co-host, uh, Catherine. Is Hi. That your name? Hey, Catherine. Name. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Yeah. Doing yeah, great. Great, Matthew. I am in a state of being blown away because I read your book in the last 24 hours. I'll be honest, I got it months ago and everybody was talking about it. And just like you describe in the book, when you were accusing somebody of not being interested in something because it was a success, it was popular, everyone right. was talking about it. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll read this right. later. And I read this yesterday in a day. It is so fucking impressive. I am so blown away by the depth of your humanity, about the depth of your soul searching. It's so, A, nice for a woman to be able to read a man who speaks and thinks the way that you do. We need more of that, absolutely. And the fact that you are just so in touch with yourself is really remarkable. Wow, cool. Thank you. That feels good to hear that. Uh. I promise you. Thank you. I bet. Yeah. yeah, the success of your book must have been a huge boon to you to get all of yeah. this out on paper. I mean, how did it feel to get that kind of feedback and that kind of reaction from everybody? Yeah. Well, you know, you put something out, you don't know if it's going to stick or not. And I remember when I started writing it, I was actually found myself writing to try and impress you or an audience, right? And then all of a sudden, after a couple of weeks, I was like, that's not the way I got to do it. Make it as personal for me as, as, as possible and hopefully make it as entertaining as well. And then if it sticks, it sticks. 
and I got lucky. It, it hit a nerve with uh, with some people. So the reactions that I've found in travels and in emails I've gotten from around the world to say, hey, I saw myself in your stories. Hey, I'm taking more risks to do things in my life that I was afraid to take before. Hey, I'm going to laugh this time when I step in shit instead of thinking, oh my God, it's a crisis. I want to come across some some cautions in, in life, and I'm going to blow through them when I should, not give a crisis so much credit, or I'm going to slow down and take a little inventory. Just to hear the feedback, it was, you know, when you when you put something out, you have in your mind what you hope a reaction will be. And if someone says it, you don't say it out loud, but if someone says that back to you, you're like, yes, that's what I was hoping. And I got a lot of that from the book. And that that felt really cool. I mean, the the writing of it for me was, I'm not a guy who looks in the past. I like to go forward and, hey, what's in the background? What's it behind in the rearview mirrors and the rearview mirrors? So to go back and look at who I was and how I got here was fucking embarrassing. I was, I had a lot of shame. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that, this, that, and the other. But after a few weeks writing, I started to laugh at that shit and started to giggle and was like, going, well, no shit, man. You know, he's perfect. Yeah, you screwed up. Put that one in there too. Put that story in there. And that turned out to be some of people's favorite stuff is when I'm I'm writing about me stepping in shit, me eating crow, you know? Yeah, because I think it's very attractive when people are able to not take themselves so seriously, especially in our industry, because it's right. it's a byproduct, right? You have to take yourself seriously at times if you want to get serious about working or you want to get serious about accomplishing whatever your goals may be. So to take yourself seriously and also at the same time not take yourself seriously enough that right. you can't expose the shortcomings or the embarrassments or mm. the self-recrimination. Yeah. Yeah, I like to call that, hey, I think we should take it all seriously, especially the comedy, especially the screw ups. Take them seriously, too, and just own them and go, yeah, I take that, you know, the comedy of my own life seriously, too. So let's put that up. I I take the, uh, the times when I eat crow or fall on my ass pretty seriously, too. And let's just put that out there as well. It was it look, it was you've written you put something down on a page and you're directing your writing. You're the, the the main character. It's cleansing. Mm. I mean, you kind of, it clears up a lot of things. I, I, I found out that I remembered a lot more than I gave myself credit for. Meaning I saw things that I wrote down when I was 15, 20, 25, and was going like, oh, you're essentially the same guy, the same person. You've evolved, I believe, I hope so, McConaughey, but you're essentially the same person. Oh, you do remember that. Even though I always like to say this, I write things down so I can forget them. So they'll be there. You never do that at the dinner table. And I know when I, I pull out my phone, and I always have to go, hey, I'm not writing somebody else that's not here. I'm actually writing a note of something you just said. And then I'll show it to you and you go, Chelsea, did you say that? And you're like, yeah, I did. I'm writing that down so I can forget it and be present in the situation again. Because if I don't write it down, I'm going to be thinking the whole dinner. Don't forget that thing she said. Don't forget <laughs> that thing she said. And so there was a lot of freedom for me in writing the damn thing and putting it out there. Matthew, are you sitting in front of two flags right now? Yes, we have an American flag and a Texas flag. <laughs> I love it. State and country. <laughs> I love it. Well, you were supposed to become the governor of Texas at some point, right? I wasn't supposed to become. I considered considered getting in that run. And then decided, no, not for you? No, no, I don't think that's where I can be most useful right now. I'm having too good of a time. I got three kids, 14, 13, 10, and the adventures were going on. I'm not going to get them again. And right now, I'm enjoying being a dad, family man, 
everyone says it, but it's true. I got seven more years and then they're out on their own, hopefully. And then everyone says, get what you can while they're, while they're in the house because it doesn't come back. You don't get the time again. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you talk about very emphatically in your book is becoming a father. That was one one thing you knew about yourself, you say, mm-hmm. is that you knew you wanted to be a father. And that's also a very nice thing to hear a man say, to be that passionate about it. And when you talk about your family, it feels like, you know, we have our first nature, our personality that we're born with, and then we have our second nature, our experiences and the people who raise us. And your family sounds a fucking fun and b like you'll never get away from them for your life you are part of yeah. that ecosystem oh. yeah and that it had such such huge influence on you your father your values your morals your mother yeah. everything that you've been through and now as a parent to try and redistribute that right yeah. that wealth of knowledge but in a better way i'm assuming right you think you can do okay. almost a better job trying to how is that going for you? I'm happy to say I think it's going pretty well. Not making straight A's, but I think it's going pretty well. I've got some considerate children. Hopefully they can get out of the house confident, having an idea of who the hell they are and who they're not. Uh, hopefully they can be conscientious. We like, like to talk about being a renaissance man or a renaissance woman to, to my daughter. But hey, you know, surf in the morning, conduct the uh, the orchestra at night, be able to go from shirtless and no shoes in the mud to a to a tuxedo in the same day and feel at home in both those places we're filling their passports which as you know i think is one of my one of the best resumes someone can have you see a full passport you got a pretty good idea that that person has some wisdom of how the world works and how humanity rolls you know we got like i said 14 13 10 we're just getting into those teen years that's a whole new roller coaster <laughs> you know more more rhyme no, no less reason and then when you have kids i noticed very early on that it's more dna than i thought meaning i thought it was before i had kids i thought it was more the second thing environment culture what you're raised around and i noticed early on that oh these 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 young people are who they are i can shepherd them i can nudge them i can put in front of them what lights their fire and try to keep them from hurting themselves too bad. But other than that, they are who they are. And so I've had to, you know, I, I use this line when it comes to discipline in the family. I'm treat you all fairly, but I'm not going to treat you all the same. And it's a pretty fun one. We we have a good time. I, with the 14 and 13, I'm getting to that age where I'm starting to become their buddy a little bit, which is cool. Meaning like my daughter will call me over and go, hey, boy, I want to talk to you about this thing. And we can just talk. Where I'm not teaching, I'm not talking as the parent, we're just jiving. Or my son can go, flipped on like a NPR the other day and didn't want to listen to music, wanted to listen to news. I'm like, at 14, I'm like, and what'd you get out of this, this, this talk? He's listening to podcasts and stuff. I'm going, okay, okay. So I'm, I'm becoming buddies with the older two right now, which is nice. Yeah, I think that's the thing that always has scared me about parenting is having to be a teacher for so long. That always well, has been like, oh, God, so many questions that I probably don't have the accurate answers to. Well, and the other thing is you get that thing that happens as parents is they'll ask you that question. Like, for instance, I got one in the book where my eldest son comes to me and goes, why is it before Camille and I were married? He comes to me and goes, why is it Mama or McConaughey? Well, those are those questions where as a parent, you go, I better have a fucking good answer for this because what I say right now is going to be branded in their mind. Or they ask you a big world question and you go, as a parent, it, it, and you may be tired. <laughs> you, may have, you may have had a couple of drinks. It's late at night and you go like, whoop, I better have a good answer for this one because what I say right now, they're going to remember forever. 
Uh, and the good answer, well, the good parenting is actually going and finding that answer, which resulted in you marrying your wife, yep. right? Because yep. had he not posited that question to you, who knows when you guys would have gotten married, if maybe ever or not ever. I might have might have sat there and stayed in neutral and not set a date, but that did give me a kick in the backside to go, you know what? Everything's going great right now, but let's go ahead and take this to another level and start a, start a new commitment and adventure together. Yeah. Okay, well, with this book has led to a very unexpected event, probably unexpected for you, too, to a certain degree. You're doing a live event with Tony Robbins and some other people, Tony Robbins being probably the most notable one, and it's called The Art of Living. So let's talk about living. it. What are you no going to do? No G on the end, because life's a verb. That's right. Yeah. No, that's how we say it now, living. Living. It's not living. living. Yeah. So... Tony and Dean read the book, liked the approach, and came to me and said, look, it's a great approach book. Do you want to dig deeper and maybe make it more of a show the process uh, so people can more personally may have some transformation? And I was like, I'd love to. And they're great at that. So that's what we're going to do on April the 24th. We're going to go live, the two of them, myself, Trent Shelton, Mary Forleo, and we're going to get under the hood of Greenlight to how... Share how you can, if anyone out there can make it personal to their lives, how they can, we can understand if we're, we're, we're at a green light on our highway of life, you know, when things are rolling and we can't do no wrong. How do we trust that green light? That it's one that's going to, that is that it's one that's going to last longer and feed us for longer. What do we do with a yellow light? Those pauses in life where we're like, ah, I got to, I got to hitch in my giddy up a little bit. I got to reconsider. What do we do? Do we, do we pause and have a look over our shoulder and go, I'm going to have a look for the first time why I keep stepping in that same pile of shit. Or do we say, no, I'm going to blow this. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal and blow this yellow light in life because I'm not going to give the crisis credit. Because what comes after the yellow light? The red light. And that's the big crisis is like pain, loss, things suck. They feel like dead ends. I have learned, and I think it's true for everybody, that there is a gift in those red lights. I'm sure y'all have been in, in times you your life where like, there is nothing I can get this is this just sucks. There's no lesson in this when you're in it. And then later on go, oh, I did get something from that red light. Oh, there was a gift in that. So we're going to get under the hood of all that to make that practical for people to go, how do I assess my green, yellow, and reds in life? We're going to talk about defining more. You know, you hear it all the time. People go, I want more. I want more. But we kind of, we, we forget to say more what? You know, it's like we want to be relevant. Well, relevant for what? Define our more first, admit some some truths, admit some lies that we that we tell and we believe in our lives so we can kind of be more ourselves, which you've done a really great job of that, Chelsea. I mean, you, you've gone and said it seems to, from the outside that you've done a really good job of being yourself. So by hook or by crook, whether what you put out considered works or doesn't is seen or sells or doesn't. Doesn't seem like you've been someone who's like, well, I sold out and I took a chance and I was somebody I I wasn't. And that always feels better, I know, for me. And I think it does for everybody. If you can do something authentically as yourself, if it works out, hell yeah, great. But if it doesn't, you don't feel like a like you sold out to try and sell something that wasn't ourselves. So we're going to talk about all those kind of things and try to make them practical 
transformational for people. Yeah, I relate it to so much of everything that you wrote in the book because you have honored yourself in so many different ways in your career, in your personal life, with your relationship with your family. And that honor, that kind of self-value, self-honor, self-respect and respect for others, because I don't really think you can respect other people until you truly respect yourself. Right. Amen. And I think that the way that you demonstrate in the book, like the times were like, as one example, just walking away from romantic comedies, which was fruitful and money and everything that you could ask for that would make a regular person would make them think that they could be happy and exist on that for the rest of their life, eating popcorn and not desiring anything beyond that popcorn. And you said no. And you were offered lots of money and you still said, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that. And you waited and you waited. And I think the key ingredient for so many people who want to take risks, who don't think they have the courage or the balls or whatever you want to call it, is because it's just patience. You know, it's really, it takes balls. But it takes patience and knowing that you have to trust yourself, knowing that you are the person that you can trust. Yeah. Can you believe in those times that time is actually on your side? Oh, it's tough. Yes. The clock's ticking, man. (laughs) And then we make these plans. And then you have babies that you have to support. And they're going or or I have a friend who's like, get it planned out at 30. I'm going to meet. The woman for me at 35, I'll be married and have kids at 40. They'll be here at 30. He didn't meet the girl 35. He didn't have the family. He started getting anxious. You know, I write about it in the book before I met Camilla. I was on the hunt. I was looking for the possibility of my mate at every red light and every produce section. Um, there's an angle maybe. Well, uh, and I was trying, I was not being myself. I was not content with myself to be patient. And then once I became that man and sat back and trusted and was patient that, hey, I don't have to keep looking. I'll find it if I quit looking so hard. Well, that's when she she showed up. I mean, with the career, that two years that I took off, I got wobbly. I like to say it, that old bottle of my favorite spirit over there on the counter started looking a little bit better earlier in the day. I was like, <laughs> I would lack purpose. I didn't have significance. I was like, what am I doing? I considered other vocations. Like maybe I maybe I wrote a one-way ticket out of Hollywood. I got to find another job, another career. And I hung in there. Luckily, I had Camilla by my side sitting there going like, this is non-negotiable. We made this choice and we know it's true to your soul. So we're not going back. And there was never a choice of going back, but it was it was spooky. And then all of a sudden, that patience paid off. All of a sudden, I was gone from Hollywood enough to become a new good idea for the dramas I wanted to do. And the phone rang for that. And all of a sudden, went and did all the things that I'd been wanting to do that, that the Hollywood was not offering me years before. Yeah. yeah. We got the reconnaissance. Yeah, the reconnaissance. That's yeah. great. Is that a term? Or it did is. you just coin it? Oh, no. Oh. I wish I had. <laughs> Probably People Magazine or like, something. Did I ever tell you the story about that? No, tell us. Check this out. (laughs) Oh, geez. It was some self-marketing. So I'm at Telluride, and I think I was there with the movie I'd done, Mud and something else. And uh, this guy in this interview was going, I mean, you're you're like on a really, you're on a roll right now, man. You did this and this, this. It's like, it needs a name or something. I went, yeah, you know, I was talking to this guy a minute ago, and he actually called it the McConaissance. <laughs> Incredible. I threw it out there, right? And he goes, McConaissance. I love that. You like that? I go, yeah, it sounds good, man. So I snuck it in there, and some of it didn't stick. 
So I made that up in one interview and it stuck. It gave it a little a little song title, a little album cover. I like the idea of coining a phrase about yourself. I like that a lot. <laughs> and also like most people can't give themselves a nickname, but no, you deserve, yeah. It stuck. I got I got the I got the wink. Yeah. I uh, love it. Okay, well Matthew, first let me ask you something before we start with our callers. Have you been to therapy? No. Wow. I've not been to therapy. I got nothing against therapy. You know, I was writing about this yesterday. So we go to therapy. And again, I got nothing against it. I've seen it really work for people. And I might want to go and need to go later in my life. But we go to therapy and we learn to get objective about ourselves, right? We, we go to therapy and we learn to see like, hey, or who we think we are, what we're actually putting out is what we're putting out there. Is that what the world's receiving? Or is there a big gap between those? You know what I mean? Are we living a life where the rubber meets the road? And it's great because you get an objective sort of third eye, a Google eye to the world of, of, of what we're doing. But I do think we have to watch with too much objectivity of awareness of like, well, how is what we're doing landing? Well, how is it being, is it being received? We have to watch because it, it's good if it, if it leads us back to being more subjective, meaning what's great is when you just you're not you're not even being objective at all. You're just being the subject in your life and you're just doing it and it happens to be reciprocating. That's green lights in life. You know, that's great when it rolls that way. And we all need to hop back and go, hey, let's be considerate and have a little con check out context to the situation. That's that awareness of objectivity. But I do think we have to watch the rabbit hole of going and trying to be too objective for too long that we forget to be the subjects in yeah. our life. Mm. So if therapy leads us back to being a better subject, a better, better individual without being sort of even conscious of what we're doing or what we're how what we're doing, how it's landing, I think it's I think it's very helpful. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, because when you have too much self-awareness, it's almost like you're not even in the moment because you're analyzing everything you're doing and how it's being perceived by others. That's definitely a struggle I had coming out of therapy. I'm like, fuck, I mean, when am I going to be able to go back to me instead of making sure I'm making sure everyone's right. okay around my behavior? It can just be paralysis of analysis almost. It, it can immobilize us. You know, I mean, look, I got a mother who, 91, and she's a great example of the value of denial if you actually commit to it. <laughs> okay. If you really commit to it. She and look, she's not shallow. She is not a shallow person. But I asked her about four years ago, she's a wild ass rebel outlaw. And she was doing all these things that were the opposite of what she had raised me and my two brothers to do. We're like, I was like, Mom, come on. No one forgives you themselves quicker than you. I was like, don't you have anything at the end of the night where you like, you go, oh, I, I need to do that better. I need to work on that. And she was like, oh, honey, every night I go through a mental list, 25 things, the things that I could do better, things that I want to improve on. I go, ah, OK, good. She goes, you know, Matthew, but the thing is, when I wake up in the morning, I forgot them all. <laughs> <laughs> and she just rolls like that. And like I said, she's not shallow. But she's there's a beauty in her inconsideration. What bruises others tickles her. And she she is proof that there's a loophole in the golden rule. Doing to others, you would have them doing to you. Well, not everyone wants to do what you want to do. But she just, 91, she just rolls. And she's been doing that kind of all her life. And it's pretty awesome to see that simplicity. Because she's not objective at all. She takes no context. She has no a lack of consideration. And it can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. But 98% of the time, it's like, go, girl, 
no, get it. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, she's a real renegade, as your father was as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on that note, we are going to Catherine. You're going to tee up what we have in store for Matthew today. Absolutely. We've got some crises of conscience in here. We've got some confidence issues, some what am I doing next in my life? Okay. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, dad should be helping with that stuff too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. Probiotics can be a very important part of your daily routine. They certainly are part of mine, but sometimes uh, they're a hassle to take. So Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. With 1 billion active cultures, they protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they are designed with a triple-layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid, helping them survive the journey to your small intestine, where they're needed most. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at the checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. And we're back. We're back. (laughs) Well, our first question comes from Sage. Sage says, Dear Chelsea, 
I am desperate for your help. I feel like I've been stuck in this identity crisis for years. I've lost sight of not only who I am, but what's important to me. I feel like I spend every day going through the motions, then all of a sudden, years have passed. I came to the realization the other day that I don't actually enjoy my life. I just get through the days. Mm. I feel like I'm waiting for that light bulb moment or some type of epiphany to wake me up, but I also understand that's not realistic. How do I start enjoying life again? Liking who I am? Not caring what others think? Taking chances and living a life of happiness and purpose? I suppose I don't even know where to start. I'm 27 mm. now, and I know that I'm wasting my youth being lost, and I don't want any more excuses. I'm ready to live a life I'm proud of and that's true to me, but how do I figure out what that is? Thanks in advance, Sage. I'm going to let Matthew take this from the top because he seems to be on a real roll, and then I'll follow up after. I just want to say everyone feels like this at some point in their life, if not multiple times in their life. So mm -hmm. just know, A, that you're this is not uncommon and you are not alone. Matthew, why don't you go first? Well, thanks for saying that first, Chelsea, because that is such, we bypass that as far as helping somebody out by going, hey, just to know it's not a singular experience. Just to know that, oh, hey, me too, <laughs> helps so much. It sort of just flattens the everything and takes the air out of the pressure. So way to start that off is saying, hey, you're not alone. Look, I'd say this. A lot of this, we all want to talk about who am I? What's my purpose? What, what, what am I going to do? And we're trying to look for that first. Don't look for that first. Start with something much easier because knowing who you are is fucking hard. Knowing who you're not is easier. So start off with process of elimination. Start eliminating the things in your life, Sage, that don't pay you back. The people, the places, the things that you're doing, what to do, eat, drink, whatever, your habits that, you know what? They may feel good at the moment, but the next day they kind of give you a hangover or they didn't pay you back. You were in the debit section the next day or you felt like less after you left that group of friends that maybe talked about certain things that well, maybe we're funny at the time, but made you feel like a heel when you left. Start eliminating those things. So by process of elimination, when we get rid of the things in our life that don't pay us back, that don't feed more of who we are, by sheer mathematics, you end up with more room for the things that, that will feed you and will pay you back, line up in front of you. So start with eliminating who you're not to get to who you are. Yeah, I like that a lot. I also would like to say, you know, when you're having all these kinds of feelings that aren't giving you positive vibes, right? The important thing, I think, the first thing that you need to do is learn how to get really still and get really quiet so that you mm -hmm. can understand exactly what your desires are and what and how you want to, you know, what makes you excited? What gets your heart rate up? What gives you excitement when you think about fashion or do you think about television or you think about therapy? Like what is your uh, retail? What wh Whatever it is, there's no judgment on it. It's whatever your desire is, what draws your attention, what keeps you interested, what helps you stay focused when you're on that subject matter. Like those are the things that you need to find out about yourself. And the way to do that is to really kind of go within. You have to be still with yourself. You have to give yourself like space and time to be quiet, to not have noise around you, to not have influence around you, to really sit down with a book, sit down by yourself, sit down to reflect, to meditate, however you want to frame that. 
but it's about the inner desires because your body will speak to you. You will speak to yourself when you've given the time to do that. Like it's a matter of self-respect in a way. You're you're allowing your body and your mind to tell you what they want. And this is all going to sound very spiritual and big worldy to you if you haven't done this yet. But I promise you, if you make this a practice of just trying to get in touch with yourself, there will be a voice inside your head that is on your team that is going to direct you and tell you, just like there's always a voice telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not brave enough. There's a voice, your real voice that is centered, that will guide you. And you have to trust that that intuition, that self-knowing, it's there for each one of us. And the only times we get separated from that voice is when we're not focused and we're not centered. And it's easy to disengage, but it's it's easy also to get back on the track. You know, it's not it doesn't take that as much as you think it's going to take. And obviously I can't tell you what your purpose is. You're going to have to find out what your purpose is for yourself, but the more time you spend with yourself, With less noise around you, the more in tune you're going to get with yourself and you're going to understand what you need to do to move the ball forward in a direction that's going to make you excited about your life. And also understand that you're not always going to be excited about your life, but you want to be optimistic about your life and you want to be, you know, challenging yourself and going to new areas and doing things that scare you or that you can't and taking risks. You know, all of these things are part of the equation. So I would start by doing that. You know, if it's meditation, then make it a meditation, but give yourself some time each morning or each day, whenever you can, 20 minutes, and just be still and sit in a garden or by trees in nature and just sit with yourself. Um, And you're going to come up with more answers than you would ever even believe. That 20 minutes, if you hadn't done it, it feels like hours when you first start. (laughs) But don't pull the parachute. Don't back out. What Chelsea's saying is right. Stick with it. It gets easier and easier. And But when you first do it, you will not like the company. Every time <laughs> I go off on my own, I do not like the company. I cannot stand the the, the dialogue that's going on in my head. But if you stick with it through that time, you, what do you end up realizing? You end up realizing that you're the best company. And you're the only company that I can't get rid of. So we've been <laughs> trying freaking it along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So fun. It's so true. It's so fucking true. I mean, I can't tell you how noisy my life was for so long until I did this. And I hated the company. I was like, you're so annoying. Ugh, this, this. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I only want to hang out with you. Like, you're the best company. You know, even, even when I go skiing now, I'm like, I try not to let my friends know. Like when I'm in my ski house, I try not to let my friends know because I want at least a few runs by myself and they can never understand why I want to ski alone. I'm like, because it's fucking more fun to be by myself sometimes than to be around other people. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. start doing that, Sage. Sage, right? Yes, Sage. Yes. Keep in touch with us and connect with us. And when you've had a little bit of an awakening, I guarantee you it's coming. Just have faith in the knowledge of yourself and just start practicing some alone time and real thoughtfulness. And I promise you, you're going to get where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is what happens at times in your life, but especially when you're 27. Like, 27, everybody feels this way. Because you're in this, like, crux between the young adulthood that you've just been in and, like, adult adulthood. And it's just a weird flexion point where you feel so much change. And yeah, I think all sense. the sevens are like that. 27, yeah. 37, 47. There's something about, and I think in, in in Judaism, yeah, seven is a number where pivotal things happen. So it's it's all good. Run towards it. It's all good, exciting, because new things yeah. are going to happen. Yep. 
Well, our next question comes from Sean. Sean says, Dear Chelsea, I'm a 37-year-old flight attendant from Kansas City, Missouri. It goes without saying that I am, of course, gay. Gay. I've been a flight attendant for five years, and people always say, oh, what a dream job, or that's what you were meant to do. I enjoy the perks of my job, but have you met people? I have to deal with almost 300 of them for eight hours inside an aluminum can. No (laughs) one dreams about that. Sure, being in Paris or Amsterdam weekly is great, but I know this is not viable for the long term. I've thought about taking flight lessons to become a pilot, but that still feels like settling. Several years ago, some friends who did stand-up informed me that I was funny. I legitimately had no idea due to my penchant for thinking I have no valuable skills. They asked me to do a little set at their show, and I agreed. Well, I killed it. I felt like I was in the right place for the first time. They laughed when they were supposed to. They clapped. It was amazing. I did it again, and I didn't do as well, but still pretty good. Now, it's been years since I've done it because I'm so scared of being disliked. I would be stuck doing open mic nights in Kansas City. I'm scared of not only doing poorly, but I'm also nervous about the rednecks hating me just because I'm gay. Plus, I'm burnt out, so I just don't feel funny or creative. How do I move through the stress and bullshit to get back to a place where I can be funny and confident? I know I'm still young, but I would hate to look back on my life and regret never doing anything that was actually difficult. I just finished your special revolution, available now on Netflix, and it just solidified that I want to do what you do, Chelsea. I want to make people laugh and find a way to find humor in this craziness. Thank you for being you, and I promise you really are changing the world. Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi. Hi. Our special guest today is Matthew McConaughey. What a treat. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Sean. (laughs) How lucky am I? I know. I know. (laughs) Look how cute you look, too. How are you? My God, thank you so much. He's <laughs> oh, got this gorgeous hair. I'm great. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm great. You've met Catherine, obviously. This <laughs> yes. is my, my co-host. Well, it's nice to meet you. You too. Thank you. I'm going to go first, Matthew, okay? Sure. sure. I'm going to just, since this is a stand-up comedy question and you just watched my special, and I've felt like you before at different times in my life where I'd had no creativity. I didn't know if I was funny. I didn't care. I didn't want to work, blah, blah, blah. I understand what you're feeling. You have to understand, A, how lucky and fortunate you are to know what lights you up. That's what every person is looking for. Our last caller was trying to find that light. You know what lights you up. You know what makes you feel something that you really want to feel in this life. And that's the biggest thing. You know what I mean? You know that. Now you just have to walk that avenue to get where you're going. And that's easier than you ever thought it was. Yes, you're going to bomb. You're going to do badly. People aren't going to always like you. That's not the point. The point isn't to get everybody to like you or to succeed all the time because there's no growth or learning in either of those things. That's just a cherry, you know? Like that's, oh, great. I have that moment. It also doesn't last forever. The idea is to get really just better incrementally at something. And in order to get better at something and to make a career out of it, you need to fucking start doing it. (laughs) So you have to start performing. It doesn't matter if there are rednecks. It doesn't matter if there are people that don't like gay people. It doesn't matter. You know, that's even a better challenge to get the people that won't necessarily be predisposed to liking you to like you. You know what I mean? You're going to be surprised. A lot of those people are going to like you and you're not going to believe it. But in order to do that, you just have to start the action. And you're a flight attendant. It's a great way to practice material on people. You have new people revolving through your door or your aluminum can, as you say, (laughs) which is a very apt description. I don't know how the fuck you guys do that. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) But you have an audience. 
to play with at all times. So you can be practicing your material at all times. Like you have all these advantages. I think that you're looking at as disadvantages and they're not. Right. That makes sense. Sean, where Chelsea's saying you've got an audience on that aluminum can, sounds like you also have a huge source of your particular comedy. I mean, your opening question, you know, I'm a flight attendant, I'm on an aluminum can, I serve 300 people inside a steel can, and without saying it, yes, I'm gay. That's already, I was already laughing at that, just your delivery of how you wrote the question. Those 300 people, the different idiosyncrasies or the shit they do, that you're like, are you kidding me? That sounds like great material where you're getting new material with every flight. Right. So it sounds like maybe just keep an ear open for every one of those things. When you get annoyed at somebody in 17A, clock it. Oh, that's going to be a good joke. Oh, that's going to be a good turn of phrase. Oh, that's I'm going to use that. Every time you get annoyed at somebody, look at it and go, how could that be funny? Or how could that that actually could be funny if I'm telling someone else because someone's going to go, no shit. I know people do do that. (laughs) They're going to go, I didn't know people do that. Really? Oh, shit. I think you got great source material in in all thirty, however many rows of of people. Those three hundred people are sitting in. <laughs> that and makes sense. Thank Matthew, you, Matthew. Do you also have some advice on like how Sean can reclaim that confidence that he felt the first time he performed? How do you reclaim a con? Look, some of it. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about. My mom with being a queen of denial. A lot of it is. Look, I've 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 had thousands of days at work where I'm not confident. And I'm like, I'm just going to blow through it. I'm going to make sure one, and I have to convince myself that 80% of me doing the job is fucking showing up and just get in there. And I've had some of my better performances when I was not confident, walking the razor's edge going, man, I am, and then found it in the performance, but showing up and going and doing record. And what, what Chelsea was saying, you're going to bomb. Ha ha. No shit. You know, you're going to have lines of, man, when I rehearsed that, it was, I was right on the money, everybody. And I, and I, and I, and I waited too long or I, or I, I got, I got excited and I blew through the pause that set up the punchline. Eh, so what? Do it the next time. But it's just, I think, getting back out there and doing it and doing it the next time and doing it the next time. And by practice, when you, you I find you build confidence when you start to get a little better at something, you know, right. or even you start to, a lot of people say, I don't like what I'm doing. You can start to dig it by just purely getting better at something. It's fun to get better at something, to improve and become more competent at something, you know? It's also fun to flip the script of your attitude towards it. Like your nervousness can be excitement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can be like, oh, this is great. My very first jokes were about waiting tables when I started doing stand-up because I I got a DUI. I had to go to DUI class where they made everybody get up and give a speech about their DUI. And I was so scared shitless of public speaking that I would hide in the back of the class hoping this guy wouldn't call on me. And when he did, I got up and told my DUI story. I was 21 years old. And the whole place was dying laughing. And I I, I didn't get off stage. I was like, oh, this is fun. And then the DUI guy came up. He's like, hey, listen, this isn't stand up. Like, this isn't a comedy club. Get off the stage. And everyone was like, you got to be a stand up comedian. And I was like, oh, that sounds scary. And I was like, but I guess I have to. I had what are my other options? I mean, what was I going to do? I didn't know. I just thought I had to be a public person. So 
I my whole material was like people asking me what the specials were and me actually saying what I wanted to say to people, you know, like as if you're going to even remember this fucking meal in seven days. Who gives a shit what the specials are? Figure something out. You know, my ass in your face is the special. Like I just had a whole slew of material about waiting tables. You can do exactly the same thing that Matthew said to start and launch your creativity and you're going to naturally move and flow and and ebb and flow and all the things and bomb and succeed you're going to have it all but go into it knowing that it's a full breadth experience and don't expect everything to just go well that's not the way we grow right (laughs) i think that's what's scary is the not doing well it's i think because the first time i did stand up they introduced me and the crowd was applauding and i got up on stage and the very first thing i said was I kind of expected that to last a little bit longer. And they like started applauding again. And I was just like, oh shit, they like, they're doing what I tell them to do. And (laughs) so it's like this high. And I'm like, I don't want to like, what if I would have said that? And then they were just like, yeah, well, it's not going to last longer. (laughs) Yeah. But what if, because there's, there's so many millions of other people that have your desire and are doing it. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not millions, but thousands definitely that are doing it. Yes. How, how much? How much of stand up is entertaining yourself? A lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, when you think that joke's funny, by hook or by crook, f them, the crowd, if they laugh or not. A lot of times, it becomes funnier to them because you enjoyed that joke. You think it's funny, right? Yeah, for sure. It's hard. To, it's hard to if you don't get the reaction, it's hard to r- relax and go. <laughs> yes. All right. Nobody laughed yeah. at that one. Well, I'm going to clap for myself. <laughs> Whatever that is, you know. I mean. Yeah, how much is a lot of it is entertaining yourself? Well, a lot of it's entertaining yourself, but it's also a practice of like, I tell stories all the time in my personal life. And when I see that they get a big reaction, I'm like, oh, that's a story for the stage. If, you know, my standup is very personal. Your standup may be very joke oriented, but I think anything that comes from your personal truth is valuable to creativity. You don't want to pretend you're someone you're not. You obviously... Being a stand-up relies on the audience laughing at some point, you know, <laughs> that is part of it. So, yes, you want to get there. But, you know, Matthew and I discussed this a little bit earlier. We touched on not taking yourself too seriously. You want to take everything seriously. But any moment like that is not a life-altering, changing moment in a negative way. It can always be a life-altering, changing moment in a positive way. But a moment on stage is just never going to crush you the way that you are fearing, like your fear is you're letting you yourself be led by fear. Instead, you got to be like, bring it on. Like, let's bring it on. Let's get the scary parts over with. Like the sooner you get on stage and the more you get on stage, the quicker all of that stuff is going to be out the back door. So like, get moving. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, is there yeah, somewhere you can sure. go do a set, like a stand up comedy club where you live? Yeah, there's a ton of places here in Kansas City that have like there's like oh, weekly yeah. open Kansas mic City. nights and stuff. Yeah, yeah, do it. Just start doing it. Make sure make us a commitment that you're going to do it. What this week, next week? When can you get on stage? Yeah, I can. I can do next week. All right, make that commitment to us and yourself, and go do it. Okay. Let me tell you one okay. thing that my mentor Penny Allen, my greatest mentor, this this woman of 19 years, told me, and it was so liberating. Before I go every to every job and then every every morning at work, what I tell myself, I tell myself, Connie, I dare you to screw up. Go, for, I dare you to screw up. Dare yourself to screw up. Watch how you. I found that I screwed up less when I dared myself to screw up. 
I dare you to eat shit here. It just kind of like popped the bubble and all so much pressure was off. I'd give right. myself that dare. So try and screw up. There you Okay. Go. I like that. Yeah. Even if it goes badly, it's five minutes in the beginning. Yeah. So even it doesn't if it's matter. Right. It's it it just the only thing that matters is you making the step in the right direction of what's going to really fill your soul up. And it sounds like you know what that is. Look at that as a gift instead of a negative and just run towards it. You know, and anytime you have a bad set, that's like great. Because if when you have a bad set, the next one's always mm. the best one. Mm. I speak from experience. <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay. Right, Thanks for calling, Sean. Okay. Thank Bye. you so much. Good luck. Bye. Break Thank a leg. You. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> good luck isn't good for right. comics. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving. And according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, Dad should be helping with that stuff, too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give Mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books Company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. Probiotics can be a very important part of your daily routine. They certainly are part of mine, but sometimes uh, they're a hassle to take. So Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. With 1 billion active cultures, they protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they are designed with a triple-layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid, helping them survive the journey to your small intestine, where they're 
needed most. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at the checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. We have one other caller. Her name is Carrie. A friend of about 16 years has recently professed his love for me. I've known he's had a crush on me for a long time. He always tells me I'm his type. With his recent admission of being in love with me, I thought, sure, why not? Let's try it. I warned him that he's setting himself up to get hurt and that I may never get the feelings for him he has for me, but he wants to try anyway. I told him I can't just flip a switch from friendship to relationship, so I asked him to court me, and he's been trying really hard. The trouble is, he's not my type. I don't really have a strong physical attraction toward him, but the person he is and the time we spend together, I love. I'm a bit of a disaster with dating and have been single most of my life. I'm 48. My longest relationship of three and a half years was with a woman, though I don't identify as a lesbian. It just felt right at the time. I don't know what it is with men. I just seem to find fault in all of them and end up breaking up with them. So Carrie told me that they dated for about a month and she finally kissed him or they kissed and she got the ick and didn't want to continue. But I think the bigger issue that came out of the conversation is that Carrie's having trouble finding chemistry in general with other people that she's dating. So I thought we could explore that, explore what's wrong with the vibes and what's going on there. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi there. We, uh, this is Matthew McConaughey. Hi, He's Carrie. our special guest oh, today. Hi. Hi. Nice hi. to meet you. You too. Hi there. And, and you know, <laughs> Catherine, obviously you guys have spoken. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. So she told you that it went sideways. <laughs> well, you had a kiss, right? That was it. Yeah. So we dated for almost six weeks. We tried the dating thing and he was doing, cause I asked him, I told him he has to court me because you know, I'm not just going to date him for no reason. And yeah, he finally asked me on Valentine's, can we kiss? And I said, sure. And honestly, it was like kissing a family member. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go back. You said that you have problems with intimacy with men, right? Is that what you said? Is it men or you don't have problems like that with women? Well, it, it's not so much with all men. I'm kind of more of the, I like the wine, not the label kind of thing. That said, I've dated more, way more men than women. So I think with men, it's just, I do have some trust issues with men. So it is harder for me to get closer to them. I also find men over 40 extremely needy. And that is like one of my least, like, I just, it's so unattractive to me. So that part is hard as well. Well, I think if you have self-admittingly that you have a lot of guardrails up, it's very mm -hmm. hard to break those down. And mm -hmm. I think that should be your number one objective right now, because I don't think you can probably clearly even kiss this guy while you're looking for excuses to not like him. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. And I had the last guy I dated, I was friends with for 15 years and was never attracted to him and it took a long time and I did I fell in love with him I became attracted to him I was couldn't even believe it you know I said there's no way there's no way and then it happened so I don't think a kiss is th definitively the end or the beginning of anything I think that you have some work to do about 
being open and 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 not every guy is that needy. Not every guy is anything. Look at Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey. He's sitting here. He just wrote this book. Well, he didn't just write this book, but he wrote a book that you should read called Green Lights. About- I read it. Oh, oh, great. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, then, so then you know about green lights, yellow lights, exactly. red lights, right? Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And you're in a yellow light right now. Yeah, exactly. That's well, right. It's, it's nice to hear that, you, you know, because I know with you and Joe, you, you were friends for a long time. And then so how long did it take for you be able to be able to look at him that way? Well, it's funny you say that because in therapy, when I was wrapping up therapy because I needed a break, I said, am I supposed to be in a relationship? I just don't feel like the relationship type. Like that's not, it's not, I've never been boy crazy. You know, I don't go, God, you know, like when I'm single, I I like it. I'm not trying always to find a guy. And I just thought maybe something's off with me. And he said, you have too many barriers up. You just have roadblocks all around you. He said, and you have to strip those away until you're going to see somebody for who they are, not what they represent. You know, not the fact that he's wearing Prada jumpsuits that make me sick or if we're driving around in Ferraris that makes me cringe. Just I had to get past all of my bullshit and finally just see him for who he was, which is a real person, you know, and those things don't define a person. And I understand if you don't feel like you have chemistry when you kiss somebody, it's hard to even think about kissing them again or anything like that. But this feels like it's a good opportunity for growth for you in terms of really kind of trying to strip away your layers and go into things that make you uncomfortable, not to a degree where you have to go have sex with somebody that you're not interested in, but to a degree where you're pushing yourself to perhaps go out with him again and try it again, you know? And if it's not him, another guy or another woman, like whomever, but as a practice for yourself, not necessarily to be in a relationship, but in a practice of like tearing down the things that go ugh to you. When something says ugh to you or you have that feeling, you've got to make a note of it and go, oh, oh, that's that's a yellow light. Is that about me or is that about him Mm. or her? Right? Right. And I, I'm pretty sure it is about me because, you know, we have we have all the things in common. I'm like, if this doesn't work, how the hell am I going to date anybody else that doesn't have all these boxes ticked? Right. And it was just kind of that all it's lacking is that spark, mm-hmm. you know, when you kiss somebody and then you want to sleep with them. And that was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to sleep with you. That said, I have slept with him in the past. So my bad. I've maybe sent off the wrong signals. Oh, well, you skipped that but... part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you slept or, with him in the past. Or not your bad. You know, or not your bad. <laughs> One thing I hear, you, I hear you kind of keep doing, and it's what Chelsea was saying. You said a minute ago, I like the wine, not the label. Yeah. You're, but you are labeling exactly what you want, and you have your own labels, which happens all this with maturity. As we mature, we get kind of set in our ways and know it needs to fit this and this is how I this is how my life goes this is what I expect and we're less malleable and what right. I hear Chelsea saying which I would second is re- relax your own labels on yourself right. and the boxes that he or any other man needs to absolutely fit for you so mm-hmm. maybe just enjoy that wine without looking at the label a little bit and I think that's what Chelsea's saying is if if it's not just perfect, cut yourself before you go, wait, that does, that didn't fit. That didn't fit. That didn't go exactly how I wanted it to be. That mm-hmm. kiss didn't make me want to go further. Well, okay. <laughs> maybe that was all that was needed right then. Maybe start mm-hmm. with that. Sometimes you get to know some. You already got your asset with this guy is that you already got a friendship. Well, not anymore. Well, He's if mad. it's there, 
Yeah. If it was there, the last 18 years are not gone. Whatever yeah. y'all formed over 18 years, it's not like whiteouts over it. It's still right. there. You want to rekindle that and go, you want to pick back up and just go have a freaking cup of coffee and not kiss? You want to get back at doing some things that we like, we used to like to do just together and just mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe restart in there. And if, you know, that would, if the kiss works, it'll probably be the time where he doesn't ask you or you don't ask him and it just happens. Exactly. And when, right. and to circle back when you were asking me about pers- when it happened for Joe and me, we had hung out for uh, over a year before anything oh. happened. And when it happened, I made it happen because that mm-hmm. had to come from me. And I would suggest hanging out with them with, first of all, repair the whatever damage has been done, which you can easily do over an 18 year relationship mm-hmm. and say, let's just try this again as friends. Let's see if it goes anywhere in a more natural progression. Because I think if you if he ticks all these boxes, A, it's worth another go. You do know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're saying all he has got all these things except for your feelings towards him. And that can happen. That comes up for people all the time. They fall in love with their friends all the time. You can't force it to happen. It has to naturally, organically happen. And you can continue to spend more time together. You don't have to kiss each other or fuck each other or whatever. But spend more time and see if it happens naturally. And also, as a test for yourself, also explore that with other people, too. You know, because I'm glad Matthew said that about the wine and the label, because as soon as you made that declaration, it was clear that you're doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. You don't have to make declarations about who you are. You know what I mean? So I think that you might think you're looking at the wine and not the label, but it's quite the opposite. Right. Fair enough. I think right now is good that this call worked out when it did, because I was actually thinking of writing him a letter, because right now he's just cut me out of his life completely. Unfollowed me on Duolingo and and Goodreads and Facebook and all the things that we shared common interests in. And I text him and I was like, so my biggest fear was losing the friendship. And he just said, I can't be friends with you because I'll always want more. And I thought, okay, so you're just willing to throw away 18 years of friendship because your feelings are hurt. So it's like, at this point, is it crossing a line to write him a letter and just be like, hey, maybe we didn't try long enough or I don't know at this point. Sounds like y'all are very similar. <laughs> maybe just simplify a little bit. And then if you do write him a letter, which it sounds like you should, because mm-hmm. that 18 years, you don't want to throw that out like that was a nothing part of your life. That was real. Exactly. Whether it works out for y'all or not, that was real. Mm-hmm. You built that. Uh, you don't want to throw that out completely. I mean... I think if you do write him a letter, be considerate. I'm sure he feels like he got bruised or lost or made an advance and and you had it. And then you were like, nope, that's it. He probably feels a little embarrassed, a little shame, a little loss, a little less. Mm-hmm. Just maybe as a friend go, man, I this is how it made you feel. I didn't mean to hurt you, but that's how I felt. Uh, this is all so damn complicated. And you want to go back, <laughs> back, back a few months before we, for that kiss and just start with when we were high-fiving. And go have a cup of coffee or a walk and start right there with some simple shit and maybe maybe cuss each other out and go, this fucking made me pissed off and this hurt me. That could be it could be fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you should definitely write him a letter, but also acknowledge his feelings. Definitely acknowledge the fact that he with the way he may be feeling right now. But, you know, as an effort to retain this friendship, you can say in the hopes I, I want to have these feelings for you. I'm willing to, like, 
try this again, but we also have to be adults. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. People have been turned down before and been able to maintain friendships. You know, obviously he needs a little bit of time to get over what he's dealing with. But I think that you should really definitely focus on some of the things that we said to you about looking within yourself and figuring Mm -hmm. out, you know, what your stipulations and kind of roadblocks have been and kind of just try to open them up. And just kind of be open to whatever. Don't have it in your head the way that it looks needs to look perfectly. Right. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, let us know how it goes, okay? For sure. Thanks. Okay. Awesome. And good luck. 48's great. I just turned 48 and I'm thriving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of at that age where it's like, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that is desperate to be in a relationship. I, I actually quite like being single and not probably part of my problem with dating is like, I'll start dating. And then I'm like, actually, single's not so bad. (laughs) So yeah, definitely at 48. I'm not even at 48. I'm not in a rush to get into any sort of relationship, but would be nice. (laughs) Okay, take care. Nice to speak with you. Thanks. Okay, we're running out of time. So we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Moms are more than the stuff they do for us. The laundry, cooking, and driving. And by the way, Dad should be helping with that stuff, too. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. This Mother's Day, give Mom her flowers. She deserves the best, and that's why Books is giving you 25% off your entire order of farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Here's what's great about the Books Company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you cannot find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mother. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code CHELSEA. 
Probiotics can be a very important part of your daily routine. They certainly are part of mine, but sometimes uh, they're a hassle to take. So Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. With 1 billion active cultures, they protect against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort. And they are designed with a triple-layer coating that protects each pearl from stomach acid, helping them survive the journey to your small intestine, where they're needed most. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at the checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. And we're back. We're back. That was awesome, Matthew McConaughey. You were great, as <laughs> predicted. <laughs> yes, thank you as so much. As predicted. So to this event, to Matthew's event that he's hosting with Tony Robbins, it is a virtual event. It's called Art of Living live on April 24th. Right. So you can go online and register at artofliveinevent.com and sign up. It's actually free to attend. So go check it out. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Even better. So it's all free. Yeah, it's all free. Oh, great. And online. Okay, awesome. Thanks for sharing today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for giving advice to our callers. Appreciate it. Hey, enjoyed that. Okay, enjoy Thanks that. So Bye, much. Matthew. Have a badass day. Bye. You too. Bye. Oh, well, great episode. Fabulous. And don't forget, everybody, my new special revolution is now streaming on Netflix. And it's badass. And then I'm doing a tour, a little big bitch tour. Go to ChelseaHandler.com for tickets. I've added some new dates. I added a date in Monticello, New York. I'm coming to Colorado, to Red Rocks Amphitheater. I'm coming to Kalamazoo. And then I'm coming to a bunch of places in Tennessee, Memphis, Knoxville, and Chattanooga. That's May 19th, 20th, and 21st. And then I'll be in Atlantic City, June 10th, which is almost sold out. So get your tickets. If you'd like advice from Chelsea, shoot us an email at dearchelseapodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to include your phone number. Dear Chelsea is edited and engineered by Brad Dickert, executive producer, Catherine Law. And be sure to check out our merch at ChelseaHandler.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Probiotics can be an important part of your daily routine, and they certainly are a part of mine, but sometimes they are a hassle to take. Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. 
To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply, valid through July 31st. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com forward slash Chelsea to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Chelsea. 